Hey guys, so glad you could join us. We are trying something new, obviously, and so we're so excited about so many people being able to be a part of this. Uh, We are obviously in the middle of something different, something we've never experienced before as a nation and as a community, but you know what? The church is still able to meet, and so we're thankful for that. Uh, Today we continue our series, Urban Legends, and uh, to me, I feel like this is timely. Just like last week, you know, we talked about something I felt like was timely as we, you know, God wants us to be happy, but really God wants way more than just for us to be happy. He wants us to be filled with joy, and He wants us to experience the fruits of the Spirit. And so, what Urban Legends is about is what people often think will be uh, is truth, but it's not truth. It's based on hearsay, or maybe it's just something you've always heard. And, and so, the first week we talked about that the devil made me do it, and we, we look at Scripture and we realize the devil can't make us do those things. And so... The thing is, is we've kind of unpacked that. We, hey, that's, that's not true. That's, a, that's a, just a legend. And then last week it was uh, that, you know, God wants me to be happy, but he wants way more than for me to be happy. Happiness is just a, a feeling where joy is a mindset. And so this week we're talking about another urban legend, and that is the church is a building. And with everything that we're going through and we're dealing with right now, this one is very timely. Because as we look around our nation, we realize, you know, the church is not able to get together physically but we're still able to connect and we're still able to be together. And uh, so God knew what was coming way before we ever knew what was coming. And so technology was set up at a time where we could still gather, we could still meet, we could still do a lot of things that we'll never be able to do otherwise or wouldn't be able to do otherwise. And so, so one of the questions is, is what is the church? So what is church if it's not a building? And, and let me just say this, you know, oftentimes if you ask someone, hey, where do you go to church? They're going to say, well, I go to that church over on Sheila Boulevard or I go to that church over on whatever street. And the thing is, is that's not an accurate assessment of what a church is according to Scripture. And so we often think of it as being this, this building, this brick and mortar. And the thing is, it's really not brick and mortar. Let me, re- let me read a definition here to you. So what is the church? And so the word church is a translation of the Greek word ekklesia, which, mean, which is defined as an assembly or called out once. Now you might say an assembly, you know, we're not able to assemble. We are able to assemble. We're able to assemble through technology we're able to assemble through online, and we're able to gather together and be able to even share some things, and maybe to even share encouragement or whatever it might be. So we are we're still able to assemble. We're still able to assemble for worship. I don't know about you, but some of the greatest worship experiences I've ever had have been driving down the road, just pouring my heart out in a song of worship or, or listening to a scripture that just penetrates my heart. And so we're able to assemble for worship, for teaching. That's what we're doing now. Through, through these cameras and through technology, we're able to still have a time of teaching and a time of prayer. Online, you know, you can do that. But here's the thing. We have asked everybody to pray, if they would, every day at 12 o'clock, at 12 p.m., 12 noon. And we want, you to, we want you to literally take the time, just a few minutes, to pray. If there's somebody with you, they can be six feet apart. You don't have to get together. You don't have to hold hands. But you can pray for what our nation is going through. Pray for our leaders. Pray for, pray for a cure. Pray for something miraculous to take place. But more than anything, pray for the kingdom to be expanded. And then also at 6 p.m., you've got an opportunity to pray with your family. You know, again, 12 noon and then 6 p.m. every evening, we're asking the church to be praying. I want to ask you if you would to join us in that. Today, Pastor Daniel and I took the time at 12 o'clock to pray together. You know, and just pray for, for even, you know, as we work on putting together this, this teaching. We, we, want, we want God to be honored in everything that we do. And so, it was, it's a, again, it's an assembly or called out ones. And so here's a couple things we're still called to, and I want to give you a list of these. We're still called to do a few things, to be set apart, to be different. 
You know, the world, we don't, we don't want to be like the world, but we want to be in the world, and we want to make a difference in the world, we want to impact the world. So we're called to be set apart. So one of the things that's clear, we go back and we look at the early church, uh, you know, like I said, it's called Ecclesia. I had a friend of mine who named his church Journey Ecclesia there in Nashville, Tennessee, and, and literally it means Journey Church. And so, so anyway, so one of the things we need to look at is we've been called to be set apart, we've been called to be holy. God is holy, and He desires that we be holy. Holy again means to be set apart. That we, we want to line up and, and, and step, walk in step with God's Spirit. Here's another one. To make a difference in the lives of people. You know, we are called as the church to, to make a difference in the lives of people. We've been put on a, a mission. It's called the Great Commission. To go and make disciples and to tell people and to share with people the hope of the world. And so our, our goal in life and our mission should be to make a difference in the lives of people. To minister to their needs. And here's another one. To serve others. You know, we are called to serve others. That is ministry. Jesus, you know, he, he came to, to not literally be a, a king over all things here that we think like, but he was king of kings and lord of lords, but he came as a suffering servant. And he was willing to say, you know, he taught the disciples how to wash feet. He said, he wants us to serve the people around us. He wants us to serve others. And, and Peter said, hey, listen, Jesus, I, don't, I won't be a part of that. He said, well, you're not a part of me if you're not going to be a part of this, Peter. And so it's important for us to understand that we have an opportunity to be servants and to serve others, to serve them and to care for them. And what greater time than what we're going through with this pandemic to look for ways to, to serve our, our neighbor, to serve our friends, to serve our family. And here's the last one, to share the good news. To share the good news, the gospel. The gospel is the good news. To share with anyone and everyone, because there's a lot of people asking questions right now, like, Hey, you know, what is, what is going on? We've, we've been calling people here at the church and just trying to touch base with people to make sure they're okay and kind of checking on them. And some of them, of them are lonely and afraid. And, you know, in, in these times, you've got a lot of friends out there that may be lonely and afraid. They're wondering, hey, what happens if I do get this virus? What if I breathe my last? Where will I spend eternity? You know, how do you, how do you get to go to heaven? How do you, you know, why would you be sent to hell? You know, and so all those things, you know, come into people's mind and, it's a great time to share the good news. God doesn't send anybody to hell. But He gives us a choice to choose to receive Christ or to reject Christ and then choose hell. And so we have a great opportunity and we are still called as the church. Don't miss that. We are still called, even in this pandemic, to do these things and be about these things, but especially to be about the kingdom. So Jesus gave us the most important thing to do in Luke chapter 10. I want you to read along with me here. This is a great passage. It's called the Great it's called the Great Commandment, but Jesus gave us the most important thing to do. It says, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what, what should I do to in, in, inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say and how do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength, and all of your mind. Let's pause there for a second. So here is the thing. So Jesus has asked this guy, this guy is, now he's got ulterior motives, but he's asking a question. And the good thing is, is he got to hear the good news. Man, if you love God, if you love God the Father with everything that's in you, you love everything that, that he is about, then here's the thing, you're going to love his son. You're going to love his son because Jesus was God's way of reaching man. God's way of connecting with man and offering hope. And so if you love God, you're going to love his son. And if you love the son, you're going to love the word of God because Jesus is the word of God that became truth, became life. Jesus is, is the word become flesh. And so you're going to love God. You're going to love his son. You're going to love the word of God. You're going to love the Holy Spirit because Jesus is the one who sent the Holy Spirit as the comforter. 
as the one who would counsel us, the one who would pray for us and intercede for us when we didn't even know how to pray. So when we're going through times like this, we have the power of the Holy Spirit working in us to bring us peace. We talked about the fruits of the Spirit last week. And those fruits are literally what will get us through this. And they'll allow us to have joy and even have a smile on our face like we talked about last week in the middle of a trial and a tribulation like the world has never seen. We are still able to be faithful. We're still able to allow the Holy Spirit to walk in us and work through us and, and literally change, you know, change us from the inside out. And to give us a courage and, a, and a, an authority that only can come from God. And so let, let's look at that again. You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength, and all of your mind. And so if you love God, you love His Son, Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. You're going to want Christ to live in you. You're going to want Christ in all you can get of Him. And so this is a great teaching here. And then Jesus says, and love your neighbor as yourself. We don't have any problems loving ourselves. And says, hey, love your neighbor as yourself. Right? Jesus told, right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. And the man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And so we've got to love our neighbor as ourselves. So who is my neighbor? Now this guy was kind of being maybe a smart aleck. Maybe he was being sarcastic, whatever. But, hey, Jesus, who is my neighbor? Show me who I'm supposed to love. So Jesus kind of begins to unpack some things here. And, and I want to kind of hit these, these quick points real quick. Love God with everything you've got. You know, we talk about loving God, but love God with everything you've got. That means every ounce of your fiber. All, you know, we, we just saw the list that Jesus gave. That's with my mind, it's with my heart, it's with my strength, it's my body, it's with everything that's in me. That we are to love God. And we're to love Him passionately. So that when we worship, we worship passionately. When we serve, we serve passionately. But we love Him with everything that's in us. And whenever we love Him, man, we love His Son. We love Jesus. So love God with everything you've got. Give it everything you've got. Love Him completely with everything you've got. So love God's Son, Jesus, and receive salvation. If you really love God, and He says, hey, listen, I'm giving you my Son. I'm sending my Son. I'm going to allow Him to go to the cross to bleed out His precious blood so that you might have a right relationship with me then why in the world would you want to insult God who you say that you love? You would want to receive all that He has for you. And you would, you would definitely want to line up with His Word. And that is to receive the gift of salvation through His Son, Jesus Christ. And there's another one. Surrender moment by moment to the Holy Spirit. You say, Jesus, you sent the Holy Spirit. Father, you sent the Holy Spirit. I want to be led by the Holy Spirit. I want to be filled by the Holy Spirit. I want you to literally lead me, guide me, counsel me. And at times when I don't even know what to pray, that you would pray for me. That's what the Bible says. So here, here's a question. How do you love your neighbor as yourself? Kind of the question the young man had here. And so there's a parable of the Good Samaritan. And so if you've got your Bibles, you can follow along in Luke chapter 10. It says, Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. And they stripped him of his clothes, and they beat him up, and they left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan, and Jesus uses that word on purpose. He uses that, that, that statement, that name, if you will, on purpose. A despised Samaritan, because they were despised. They were half-breeds, if you will, in that day and age. And a lot of the people in that area, man, they looked down on, on them because they were, not, uh, they were not like them. And sometimes we have a tendency to do that, don't we? We want to look down on people that are not like us. And so Jesus says, then a despised Samaritan came along 
And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. And going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. And then he put the man on his own donkey and he took him to an inn where he took care of him. Man, he's serving him. He, 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 he didn't just leave him there, but he's serving him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man and if his bills run higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm, I'm here. He's financially investing in this guy. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by, by bandits, Jesus asked? The man replied, the one who showed mercy. Notice he didn't say the Samaritan. He didn't say the despised Samaritan. He didn't want to use the name. But what he does, he says, the, man who, the one who showed mercy. The, Jesus said, Yes, now, and go and do the same. Jesus said, yeah, you're right. Now, let's leave. Go and do the same thing. Go and show mercy. Go and show grace. Go and show, you know, just compassion on people that you care enough to, to, to do something. And so here we see that Jesus is given the definition of how we can minister to our, our neighbor. And here's a strong statement. It says, to say you care and do nothing means you don't care at all or you don't care enough. And so to say you care and not do anything... You know, you can say you care about something, and it sounds good sometimes. You can get in certain circles, and you say, oh, it just, it just breaks my heart, or it grieves my spirit, or whatever you want to say. But if you're not moved to action, you don't care enough, or you don't care at all. You don't care enough that it might inconvenience you. You don't care enough that you might be willing to be moved to action. But that's not the model that we see in the Scriptures. We see that Jesus was moved. He was moved every time. To action. Every time the Bible says Jesus had compassion, it was followed by action. He would see a need and he would respond. And let me read a passage to you out of Matthew 20, verse 29 through 34. It says, As Jesus and the disciples left the town of Jericho, a large crowd followed behind. And two blind men were sitting beside the road. And when they heard that Jesus was coming that way, they began shouting, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy on us. Be quiet, the crowd yelled at them. But they only shouted louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy. They probably cupped their hands. Lord, have mercy on us. And when Jesus heard them, he stopped and he called, What do you want me to do for you? You know, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, they said, we want to see. What blind person wouldn't want to see? What deaf person wouldn't want to hear? You know, what, what lame person would not want to walk? And so they said, we want to see. And Jesus felt sorry for them. He felt compassion for them. And he touched their eyes and instantly they could see. And then they followed him. Don't you love that? They followed him. They could see. They could see and they followed him. And so every time that we see Jesus moved to compassion, he was moved to action. And if we're followers of Christ and we see a need, we see a need that needs to be met, we should be moved to action. We should be moved to action. Practical ways to show love or compassion. I want to share a couple of these with you. As we are going through... Some unprecedented times and some, some things that we've never had to deal with before. I just want to share some, share some practical ways that we as the church and you as a believer, you as a follower of Christ, you as part of the church can show love and show compassion. So when we look back and we see that there were physical needs met, we go back to the, the guy who was, who was beat up. And he had physical needs. He'd been injured. He'd been beaten by thieves. He'd been left to, to pretty much for dead. And a couple of people literally just walked by. Pretty religious people walked by. But the despised Samaritan took care of his physical needs. He took olive oil. He began to bandage up his wounds. And we're going through a time now where people may have 
physical needs. And I know everybody's afraid of the virus and everything, and I get that. And I think that we should follow protocol. I think that we should follow the suggestions that are given to us because we've got leaders in place that are trying to do everything they can to curb this. And so we understand that. But there are some physical things that we can do. And maybe it, it may be as simple as just taking the trash down for someone. Taking the trash down to the curb. You know, maybe taking the trash can back up, maybe, especially if it's a senior adult who doesn't need to get out. You know, maybe you could go, you've got a senior adult that lives in your neighborhood. You've got a, a family member that's a senior adult. You don't need to have contact with them according to everything that we're reading from the CDC and, and the, the World Health Organization. But here's the thing is, there, there are some things that we can do just to meet a physical need. And that physical need might be just, you know, taking groceries over. I just got a text a few minutes ago from someone where we had a family in the church who had picked up groceries and left them on their doorstep. You know, and, and that's something that we can do. We can leave a, a meal on a doorstep. In, in the Black Plague, there were people that would prepare meals and they would go and they would leave it on the doorstep and they would knock on the door. And so maybe there's something that you could do. You know, wash your hands really good. Make sure everything's sanitized like it should be. But you could, you could find a way to bless someone. Find a way to meet a, a physical need. Maybe it's cutting their grass. You know, you cut their grass. That's a physical need. Maybe, maybe you go trim their hedges. You pick the limbs up in their yard. You know, I don't know what it might be, but you let God give you some creativity. You find a way to go and meet that need. Leave a, a meal on the doorstep. Here's another call and check on them. You know, too often, you know, we, we have senior adults who, who go days and days without anybody checking on. This is a great time for us to, you know, a lot of us are sitting at home. A lot of us can't get out. A lot of us are working from home. But we can still call people. We can check on them. We can just say, hey, we can shoot them an email. You can text them. There's ways to check on people and, and just make sure they're okay. Make sure they're still, you know, in, you know, if they've got a need. And so one of the things we can do is do that. Here's another one, bless someone financially. There's nothing like blessing someone financially and, and doing it anonymously. You know, sometimes we want people to know what we gave. You know, that's our tendency. We want people to, to you know, to know what we gave. Like, you know, hey, man, I, I, put, I, I did that or I put that much in there. You know, and it can kind of become pride. Well, that's not what God wants. God wants us to bless someone, and there's times that we don't have to have recognition. You know, maybe during this season, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of places that it's, uh, you know, they want you to go through the drive-thru. You know, so a lot of people are using the drive-thru. Maybe what you do is when you're going through the drive-thru, you tell the person at the window, say, listen, I want to take care of not only our meal, but I want to take care of the person behind me, or maybe the two people behind me. You know, and you, you just bless them. And you drive off. They don't have to know it was you, but whenever they get up there, you know what, they, get a, they receive a blessing. And they go, wow, you know, God, I knew that you would provide. Maybe they were, maybe they were on their last dime. Maybe they were on their last, you know, $20 or whatever it might be. And yet all of a sudden their meal is provided. It just gives them hope. And they realize, you know what? God knows where I'm at. God knows what my need might be. Maybe it's a family that, you know, that they're just in need. You know, maybe it's a family that you know. You know what, man? God has blessed me with way more than I need or, or even deserve. But you know that there's a family that has need. Maybe they're struggling, especially in this season, with, you know, people not being able to work. And, you know, things have just changed. I mean, it's just different. And so maybe you, you say, you know what, I want to bless them and put some money, cash in an envelope. You just go bless them. You know, you, or maybe you pay a bill. I don't know what it might be, but I'm just saying there's ways that we can be a blessing to someone. If we go back and we look at the, the, the despised Samaritan, he goes in, he takes two silver coins and he lays them down and says, hey, listen, this should take care of everything. But if it doesn't, I'll come back and I'll cover the rest of it. A despised Samaritan. But yet these religious people walk right by. So see, it's not about religion. It's about a relationship with God. 
It's about a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And if we think it's just all about religion, we've missed it from the get-go. God's desire is that we might have a right relationship with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's why it's so imperative that we love God with everything that's in us. Everything. Our mind, our heart, body, our strength, everything. Our soul. And we love the gift that He gave us. We love Christ. And we share Christ with others. Here's another thing we can do. We can invite them to a life group. Invite them to a life group online. You know, we've been test driving different platforms and different softwares all week trying to figure out, hey, what will work and what works the best, you know, uh, for, for us to be able to do life groups. And life groups are people doing life together. We, we believe that we're better together. You know, even in this time, you might say, Mike, you know, we're supposed to stay home. But you're better together whenever you can get in a, maybe it's an online life group. You know, this past week, you know, our staff is larger than the number allowed. So we did, we did our staff meeting from home test driving this platform so that we could use it with our life groups. And so we were all in our homes literally talking and communicating about everything that had to happen this week from our homes so that we could say, hey, we've been there, we test drive, we've been test driving this and it works. And so that's something you can do. The other thing you can do is you can share our online service, share it with somebody, put it on your Facebook page, you know, put it out there where maybe friends and family all over the world might be able to hear what God is doing here and that they would hear hope, hope and they would be encouraged and, and maybe they would realize, you know what, God has not left you alone. You know, and there's people that care about you, there's people that love you. And so one of the questions that we put here was, how do you become a part of God's church? How do you become a part of God's church? I think all of us, you know, whenever we, we realize what it's about, we go, man, I would love to be a part of that. I want to be a part of something that's got a mission. I want to be a part of something that is making a difference. And so here's a great passage, John 1.12. Look at this. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. God gives us the right he invites us to come in. He allows us to be a part of His family. And we go from being just a creation of God, which is what Psalm 139 says, that God knit us together in the secret place in the mother's womb, till we are all a creation of God, but we become children of God when we put our faith in Christ. When we accept Jesus Christ, when we receive the gift of salvation, which is only through the Son of, of, of God, and here's the thing, we become a part of the family of God. We become a part of the church. We become a part of the body of Christ. Look at what it says in John 3.16. We all know this one, or most people do. For God so loved the world. He loves you. He loves me. Even whenever I was caught up in my sin, whenever I was, I was living far from God, and I had even rejected God because I had heard the gospel many times, but I had not chose to give my life to Christ or to receive the gift of eternal life. And so God loved me in spite of that. So for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. God gave Jesus on the cross. That whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. You want to know how to get to heaven? That's it. That, that is it in a nutshell. That is the gospel in a nutshell. And when we put our faith in Christ, here's the thing. We begin to live for Him. We begin to surrender daily. We, we lean into the Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us. And so that's where it starts. And so here's a couple of next steps for maybe for you today or for me today. Is we need to ask these questions here. You know what? To put my faith in, in Jesus for salvation, that's the step I need to take. Not a question, that's a decision. And so to put my faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. So maybe there's somebody sitting out there today. Maybe you've gone to church for years. You know, maybe you have heard the good news, you've heard the gospel, but you've never received Christ. I want to give you this opportunity to receive Christ. And, and it's as simple as it says, Jesus, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I have messed up. I have blown it. I've sinned in many ways. And so Jesus, will you forgive me? 
And his answer is yes. He says, I will forgive you. And I'll wash you as white as snow. It says that we confess our sins and he is faithful and just and will forgive us of all unrighteousness. Until he will make us righteous. See, it's not the righteousness of Mike Mazingo. It's not your righteousness that gets you into heaven. It is the righteousness of Christ that is applied to your sinful life. And here, therefore, you are washed with the blood of Christ and you are made holy like we talked about in the beginning. You're made different. You're set apart. You're made a part of the church. You're called out. You're called to be different. Here's the, the last one. Maybe you see a need. To see a need. Next step, I see a need. I feel led to meet that need. We still need to follow the protocol and the, you know, the directions that have been given to us. But here's the thing. If we see a need, we meet that need. Or we find a new way. A new way to meet that need. And so maybe for some of you here today, your greatest need is to give your life to Christ. I want to encourage you to ask Jesus to come and live within you. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins. And just say, Jesus, I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to turn to you. That's repentance. I quit. I, I give up on what I've been doing. And I want to follow you in every possible way. And you're turning to Him. And so today, confess those sins. You say, Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of the sins I've committed. And I want to quit living the way I've been living. That's repentance. And receive the gift of eternal life. Receive the gift of eternal life. And become a part of God's church. I want to pray for us. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for technology. But God, more than anything, I thank you for the gospel, the good news, that we can have a right relationship with you, God, through your Son, Jesus Christ. God, I ask that you would bless this message. I pray that you would bless this broadcast wherever it goes. God, that you would use it for your purposes and for your kingdom. God, I pray, I pray for peace for so many that are watching this, that so much that is changing around us has maybe brought uh, fear into their lives. God, you have not given us a spirit of fear or of timidity, but of power and a sound mind. And so, God, help us to be confident and sure in this time that you, Lord Father, you have us in the palm of your hand. God, that you are going to, you're going to go before us and you're going to fight some of the battles that we are fighting even before we ever get there. So God, we trust you today. God, I pray that there's someone watching this today. God, they've never put their faith in you for salvation. I pray that today they would receive your gift, your son, Jesus Christ, as the gift that you have offered for salvation. And God, that their name would be written in the Lamb's Book of Life for eternity. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.